0: Welcome to season five of Four Quarter Lives, a podcast exploring the profound impact of longer lives and careers on everything, countries, companies, couples, and careers. I'm Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, and this season will be starting by investigating the scary, exciting, and urgent topic of career change. Why is it so terrifying? How can we do it better? And why and how can companies help their talent to transition more smoothly across our lengthening 60-year career spans? Thanks for all your support and listening over the past year. We love all the feedback and reactions. Keep it coming, and let's get started with 2024. I'm Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, and on this week's Four Quarter Lives, I talk with Victoria Tomlinson, CEO of NextUp, She's a role model of the kind of reinvention she preaches. At the age of 68, she's scaling up a business she launched a few years ago to support large corporates, magic circle law firms, and big four accounting firms manage their Q3 employees, 50 plus talent. As firms begin to wake up to the talent crunch at their door, her workshop and platform are encouraging them to look again At their existing talent base, her own drive, energy and success are the best kind of argument. So welcome, Victoria Tomlinson, to Four Quarter Lives. I'm delighted to have you. Oh, gosh, this is such a treat, Aviva. I'm
1: so admiring of what you're doing. And I think we're very much on the same page with our thinking here.
0: This is so special. Thank you. We're hitting our listeners in stereo on our favorite topic. But you've turned it into a company called Next Up, which, by the way, was just yesterday named the most exciting company of 2024. I'll let you share a little bit more about that. What is the company? What's it trying to solve? When did it start? And how has it grown? It's grown really pretty phenomenally in a short space of time. So give us some background.
1: So we're a company with passion and purpose, Aviva. We work with employers to have difficult conversations with their older employees, typically aged over 50. And we do that through workshops and an online platform. What we're doing is turning around. Typically, people have fear about later stage of life. And then particularly, I'm going to struggle to use that word retirement because very few people see themselves as retired in the old fashioned way. But by flipping it, We turn away that fear and turn it into excitement. And what that's doing is taking away a lot of blocks with employees. It helps people to be really motivated and re enthused about their last years at work, but then creates ambassadors for the future. And I think we're only just beginning to understand the huge potential of employees, not just in their later years, but also once they've left a typical corporate life. And we're only just beginning to think about. What does that look like and the huge potential for them and for
0: society? So are you here, unlike Richard Alderson at Career Shifters, who is another podcast that I was just recording, you at Next Up are much more B2B. I assume it's the yes. company that's yes. retaining you. So give me yes. an idea of What's the typical client profile, problem and request that you're responding to? So
1: at the moment, we're still kind of evolving some of these services. But at the moment, our typical client would be for the platform, a very large corporate. So financial services, very large corporates who've got a large number of 50 plus employees. What would a large number be? A a large percentage term. Well, thousands probably. But I heard banks, insurance companies global corporates well-being companies really large corporates and sadly the 50 plus generation is written off too easily Aviva I heard the phrase permafrost given to employees and I was so shocked because it was a really good company using that phrase not a, not a pretty
0: metaphor. It's not a pretty metaphor. I remember women being in the marzipan layer, and now we're going to evolve into the permafrost. It's like we're never well, going to get And
1: the- I'm not sure it had almost become that it was used as a norm, as a conversation. I was shocked because these are people. Nobody should be in a state of frost, perma, or half, or whatever. And the other clients that we have, we're also working with professional firms. So Magic Circle, law firms, big global, big four accountancy firms, the world's largest professional services, and regional and all the rest, because partnerships are easier to understand why should we help our colleagues? To some extent, corporates are still getting their heads around, why should we do this? What's the value to us? And the simple answer is, if you help people in their later years, you tackle that big issue of succession planning suddenly people will open up honestly about what they're thinking. And it may be that they're not planning to leave for two or three years. That means you've got really good time to start planning the team and rethink how we do that. Often you can persuade people to stay on longer. We've got a skills shortage. And I'm seeing that time and again, once you have honest conversations, actually people are now staying longer than they expected to because maybe the employers are offering contracts more flexible working, starting to give things that think, okay, yeah, actually I can work another two, three, five years. And I've seen one person, it's almost 10 years longer. The company really wanted to keep them. That's got a huge value to the company. You're seeing, it's a rather bizarre situation this because weirdly, because of age discrimination legislation, employers, line managers in particular, are really worried about having any conversation that could possibly be associated with age. So they're stopping having those conversations This should be just normal, everyday conversations about what are your plans for the future? Are you ambitious? Do you want promotion? Where do you see yourself going? What's the training going to look like? As far as I can see, people say that they're stopping training at about 40 years old. Therefore, you're not getting those annual review conversations. I don't understand how this is going on, if I'm perfectly honest, Aviva, but I've heard far too much of it going on. I know this has to be what's going on.
0: Avoiding the issue and kicking the can down the yeah, road rather really, than just having an honest conversation. That
1: legislation that was meant to improve Help. all of this is yeah. actually shutting things down and making it worse. And so you can talk about skill shortages, retaining people. You can talk about retraining. I was talking to one employer and they've been encouraged. fifty 50 plus and the key was 55. And he's now retrained into data where there's a massive data processing, there's a massive shortage. And he's been using previous skills packaged and really loving this new career, and it's a win-win for everybody in that. You're getting better intergenerational. I know you and I are both passionate about this intergenerational working. The evidence is all there that as a company, you're more successful, you're more productive with intergenerational working. And we talk about best companies to work for, best workplace and all the rest. If you really mean that, then you really need to be thinking about your older employees and how do you make the most of those skills, and it's an absolute win for
0: everybody. And I imagine that there's a big difference between the partnership firms that you're dealing with and the corporates, yes. just in the fact also that there's still a retirement age in partnerships that's well, really yes pretty and no. young.
1: Yes and no. It's going all over the place, actually. We run a professional services retirement forum. Interestingly, that was a question that came up in the very first forum that we ran. And people said, have you got a retirement age? And firms are also worried about being challenged. I mean, they have partnership deeds, so you agree a contract there. So it's different, but they are concerned about it. So interestingly, some were bringing back in, some were dropping them. And most of them, I think, were trying to drop them, that they're uncomfortable with having a retirement
0: age. So it seems to be all over the place, actually. How do they respond, particularly the partnership firms, of this whole idea that is an intergenerational potential conflict of a bunch of older people blocking the top jobs what's the conversation around that well it is a challenge it's interesting the very first
1: workshop that we run with any firm the messaging they call it is really difficult because people are concerned that this is a hidden agenda that you're trying to get rid of people actually I think we've created a new market here Aviva and it's really exciting to have done that it's now becoming seen as the normal thing to do for firms and i've got a couple of firms now that it's just standard practice anybody over 50 should be going on this which is good but the intergenerational thing i think we're only starting to understand how you make the most of everybody's skills we should be using them more so i can think of one firm where the alumni they have a brilliant scheme this is EY they have a fantastic scheme where partners Become what's called an official EY ambassador. And they can commute, I think it's 10, 12 days holiday in their last year into working in their first year of retirement. And they can use that to help the firm in any way they want. And it's quite interesting how that's being used. So they've got to both agree what they would like to do and what the firm needs. It's a business focused activity that. But we're seeing somebody, for instance, helping younger people to go out and win business, business development. And mentoring and coaching them in that. Others maybe retain on a particular client that would like to see some continuing support, or it might be helping to develop some new services. It could be in a whole completely different ways to use those skills. And to me, that's a really good way of starting to think about, it's not that people necessarily want to carry on 24-7 the work they have been doing, and to be really imaginative in starting to use that experience in new ways. So in that particular case, you know, you're not blocking younger people coming through. It's being imaginative with how you help both generations, actually. And one of the other things, talking about intergenerational on our workshops, on the first day of the workshops, we have to be really realistic that a lot of things that used to be a norm, if you wanted to carry on doing something, if you were a senior person, once upon a time, you used to get a non-executive director role. And to be honest, that's becoming less normal now. Boards want more diversity, younger people very often, different skills, maybe cyber data, whatever it is. But what partners still have, and anybody over 50 has, is amazing life experiences with huge value. And we've done an awful lot in a lot of different ways of getting the experienced generation to mentor younger people. In particular, we've got partners in professional firms to mentor tech entrepreneurs, And it's interesting because a lot of them go, I mean, many of them are techie these days, but a lot of them go, I'm not techie. And I kind of go, you don't need to be there. They've got all the tech skills they need. What you bring is experience of life. You know how to sell to a large corporate. You're looking at some of the obvious questions. We've all seen on a dragon's den, things that to an experienced eye, you think, oh, we're missing a really key, obvious point here. And it's just, you've seen things before, haven't you? I'm a great believer that anybody over 50, you don't have to be senior. You could have been in all sorts of roles. You could be a receptionist. You could be a driver. You have got real life skills there that are of huge value to your company and to society. And we're just not using those properly at the moment. We're writing
0: people off. It's a downward trend instead of
1: upward. How do we use these in new ways?
0: Yeah, well the ageism is still pretty <laughs> yes, to particularly on the hiring manager side. So getting through that to blow it open and give a little bit more flexibility to these yes. latter decades is very useful. Yeah. That's beautifully brings us to your own story, Victoria, because you're like a role model of creativity in retirement in the way you're managing your own career. So give me a little bit of your story and okay why you became an entrepreneur in your 60s? Have you always been one or is this just your latest chapter in a long portfolio variety? Yes, it is.
1: I have to say, Aviva, I am having the very best time of my life and I genuinely mean that. I feel like, and I'll talk about what I've done, but I've got a massive range of skills as most people do at this age. But I think- What what age is that? I'm 68, I'm happy to share that. Yeah. 68. I didn't do a proper degree. That's always been a bit of a chip. I did what's called an H and D business studies, but I managed to wing it and get into what was Plessy Aerospace as their first female graduate trainee, actually. It's a huge company. Nobody made a big thing about the first anything. So I've been the first, only female, really, most of my career, but nobody made any big deal of it for all of that time. It just <laughs> until kind of now. It. Yeah, know, exactly. It's really weird. <laughs> it only um, took you twelve. I know years. exactly. I did legal and contract work with engineering, trade unions, strikes. I hated it. Management and unions didn't trust each other. I just wanted to knock everybody's heads together, just say, can we all sit down around a table and have a proper conversation? It was miserable. I then went into another industrial company, but that was what's now De La Rue. And then I managed to get a job selling banknotes around the world, which I absolutely loved. I used to go to Africa, Far East, Middle East on my own used to go in after a coup, went to Uganda, Ghana, just after coups, had to take my own food in. I had an absolute ball. And of course, you didn't have social media, you didn't have easy contact there. So you were on your own out in the field. We used to have telex machines to communicate in those days. Yep. But that was huge fun. And then I went to EY in London, quickly promoted. And I was asked to go on the leadership team at the age of 32. And I had a division of 100 people. I was focused on culture change and turning around all the admin teams who'd been left out of a big culture change program. And that was great. If I'm honest, it was quite a boring job. It wasn't a problem that needed solving in the same way. And I was known for being good with people and managing good teams, but it was great experience, but it wasn't sort of intellectually challenging in the way of some other things. And then I married somebody and he was in the North and (laughs) He said he'd only marry me if I worked, which in those days was not always normal. So I absolutely (laughs) loved the opportunity. And I started my own business, Northern Lights PR. And I had that for 32, 33 years. And of course, it changed over the years as comms changed. I was very early into social media. I sat on boards also sort of alongside. I chaired a board for a university and things like that. And I was seen as being very odd that I was on LinkedIn, but I was quite a senior person. And gradually, I started being sent senior people who were retiring but hadn't retired and wanted to do things and suddenly realized, oh, my God, I need a LinkedIn profile. I need help with personal branding. I need help. And that's how I moved into this whole retirement space and realized, actually, it was heartbreaking, if I'm honest to Viva, because people would come to my office I remember a really senior banker saying to me, this is the first time I've talked to anybody about how awful this is. He didn't even say I feel. He said, I'm a failure for the first time in my life. And I kind of thought this is ridiculous because he has so much to offer. And indeed, he's gone on and created eventually a new career and he's doing well. But it got me into looking at this whole, what are we trying to do here? And it's ridiculous. That was how I got into, and I got Professor Nigel Lockett that I had worked alongside in academia for many years. I asked him to come and look at my business, and I was finding that our business clients didn't understand social media, and I failed in explaining to them why they needed to own this. I was not managing it, and I felt like we weren't delivering the same kind of results as we had. It was just not the same business. Now I feel like I'm bringing all those skills together with NextUp, all the different things that I have done. We're working internationally and I'm using all those different skills, comm skills, our website. We have 200 plus video stories on our platform to help people with ideas and inspiration. That's what we're about really is inspiration. What am I going to do next? And it's giving people ideas and then the skills with what am I going to do and how am I going to get there? That's what we're focused on.
0: How old were you when you did that? And are you ever going to retire? No, I'm 63 when
1: I started it. No, 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 no. I've got plans for the next 30 years. I've got loads of plans for this business still to build it. There's got so much scope. And then I guess one day when I'm in my 70s, maybe 80s, I would start up a charitable foundation. There's so much here that I want to pilot. This is the bit that really I feel like we've hardly scratched the surface of how we use those skills in Retirement, how do corporates get value from that, both for them and for society? Because I think this is the way for them to deliver so many of their both business objectives and ESG objectives, which
0: really should be the same anyway. Yes, it should. That's the idea. But it often isn't, and you're right. Where would you like to take it? When are you gonna feel satisfied? What's the vision ten years hence? 10 years hence, I would like it to be normal. I was going to say we're getting there, but
1: we are getting there now for the professional firms that it is normal to help people plan for their retirement. I'm not talking about finances. People do or don't do that well or not well. It's this whole thing about what you're going to do and then help them with the skills they need and then see the value of those people once they have left so that. It's kind of like
0: you are still, still connected in some way, connected on a
1: piece of elastic and yeah. that you can come in and out of the company yeah. as you both would like. So it's got to have mutual value to you. Yeah. Somebody was telling me this morning about in Japan, how he worked with Day and how retired people come in and sit using their experience. You can go and call on them to give you advice on all sorts of things. Now, the way it was described, I was thinking, mm, I could see this having a few problems as well, maybe. But I thought, what a brilliant concept, though, that this is a pool of people. Now, and I know there was a company in Germany that has what they call the bench. I think it's AXA. And they have what they call a bench of people that you can call on as consultants. Now, I think quite a lot is being done with senior people. But to me, this is not about senior people. It's about everybody. And I think too many people don't see themselves as having value If they haven't reached in their minds seniority, inverted commas, actually what everybody has once you reach 50 plus, you have that huge life experience. You know how to have conversations. I mean, one of the problems people complain about with younger generations is they've grown up on phones and mobiles and they don't know how to talk to people as easily. And I think that's a big skill of the older generation. They understand people. They understand what's going on in this room, how to read it and what's going on. And they could mentor younger people with, did you notice what was happening here? How are you going to adapt your conversation? You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff here
0: that anyone can help with because you just have those life experience skills. Yep, absolutely. So I'm curious, after a few years swimming in this very large and growing space, what have you learned? What's the current landscape for retirees, if we can still use that word, or potential Mm. retirees? How do they feel? What do they want? What are they getting? Are there any gender differences? Are men and women experiencing this time of life differently or not?
1: I think the first lesson is the word retirement is way out of date. It's hated by huge swathes of people. They don't relate to it, the concept of what retirement means. They feel even more marginalized than they did when they were Working as an older employee. Not a great term no, either. Is exactly. It? We really need a new vocabulary we, between we, the we, retirement the most, and the older worker. We workers. definitely do, Aviva. I also think we've fallen into the trap ourselves. We talk about employees age 50 plus. 50 plus, if that could be 60 years. You think of the range of descriptions for people from baby through to toddler, preschool. The narrow range of ages there. This is ridiculous.
0: Anyway, that's why I've fallen on Q3, as you well know. Q3 seems. I know. Yes, of course. I should have used
1: that word because it is
0: a good phrase.
1: That Aviva. So what retirees feel? I think people are feeling written off. They feel like they're swimming in treacle. Do you swim in treacle? Walk in treacle, whatever you do. They feel like they don't understand. They want to do something. They want to be useful. Most people are not necessarily wanting to work 24-7. And I do get accused of trying to get everybody to keep working. That's not what this is about. This yeah. is about helping people to have a fulfilled and useful life. You and I, Aviva, we've talked in the past about this. Keep it as finding purpose. it's such a big phrase. But what we're trying to do is have a really healthy and happy later life. By doing that, we're adding 10 healthy years to people's lives. We're reducing the risk of Alzheimer's by two and a half times. This is, for you personally, a big issue, and it's for society, it's a big issue. So what's the dream? The dream is I want people to be net contributors to society as they get older, once they have retired, unretired, rather than being seen as written off and a drain on society. We've got to change that concept. And actually, by keeping people more active, they will not be a drain. A few people, sadly, will still have major health problems. But if the more active you are, the less likely you are to get all those major illnesses, and particularly dementia and Alzheimer's. So that's yeah. my dream, is that we keep people happy and fulfilled and using those skills.
0: Any gender differences? Do we see men and women coming to this period and experiencing it in different ways with different feelings? There are. they though. And one
1: is quite interesting. When we first started out, we were helping individuals, but actually that's too late once they have retired. You need to help people before they retire. But what was interesting then was women were happy to pay and men were struggling. It was nearly all women who we found. And when I've discussed this with others, I go, yeah, of course. And I suddenly realized over the years with my previous business, I had helped a lot of senior women who Wanted to help. They said, Don't tell anybody, but I'd like help with presentation skills, more impact in meetings, board branding, whatever. A lot of more senior women were used to paying to get the help they need, and men aren't, to be honest. But other than that, to be honest, men and women struggle at this stage. The men think women are walking off with roles and opportunities. They think it's a woman's world now. Actually, it isn't. If you actually look at the stats, yeah, they're changing a bit, but it's not wholesale. And In fact, men and women are all struggling at this stage. They all find it difficult to get things. They all realise they've left it probably a bit late to start thinking about this stage and that they haven't really got a plan and wish they did have one. This is where we go back into this needs to start. People kind of keep going, you can't start this too soon. You can't be too young when you start thinking about all of this. And I know you talk about that really
0: Q2 or earlier, frankly. Just knowing how to pace yourself, what mm. are the stages you're going to face and the transitions that you need to prepare for mm. and skill up for. So absolutely, this is essential work. So it leads me perfectly to this next question, which is share a little bit more about the next up program. If a company comes to you, what are the program options? Who are they meant to serve and deliver? Are there differences? And what's the platform that you've built that you mentioned mm. earlier? We are storytellers. So everything
1: we do is sharing other people's experiences. This is not really about what we think. It's sharing and piecing together other people's stories, what worked, what didn't, what I wish with hindsight I had done differently. So on the platform, we have 200 plus video stories of people sharing really brutally honestly about things that have been very difficult. We talk about the bereavement curve, you know, the fact that retirement is a bereavement process. The more that you've got a plan and thought about it, the less impact it may have. But if you do experience really difficult mental health times, not to worry, because that is a normal process that you just have to work through. So that will help people. This bit, when I went back to somebody saying I'm a failure for the first time, he was in a really bad place mentally. I hope that by helping people understand the impact, it will reduce the mental health impact there. So we talk about that. We talk about the need for purpose. and. On our workshops, we bring in 20 plus external people, people doing all sorts of different things. We use video stories. I mean, people come out completely overwhelmed and it's the same on the platform. You're kind of almost overwhelmed. We take people through a process. They build a plan as they go through 10 modules. We give them light touch homework. The thing most people forget about is retirement is not just about you. There's usually someone or two or three other people around you who you perhaps ought to have a conversation with. And that's usually a big eye-opening moment. Oh, yes, I need to talk to my husband, wife, partner, children. Expectations that other people have of you, you need to talk about them honestly and work out what's going to work for whom. Um, And we also help people with skills, that dreaded social media that so many have ignored. Depending what you want to do, LinkedIn might be helpful, Facebook might be helpful if you want to be in a community. Even things like Instagram may be useful for some people. And then we also talk about how to create a new identity. Who you used to be when you were working is probably not going to be so relevant for whatever you're going to do. And you have to learn not to say I was somebody or other, but sure. I am whatever you're going to be. Then also how to make new connections. We talk about the biggest issue for most people is to make new connections. People don't understand will realize to what extent their social life depends on work colleagues. And once you take that away, for a lot of people, there's not much left, particularly men, actually, often rely very heavily on work connections. So it's really important. And there's a lot of research showing that happiness depends on relationships. And actually, you need to build on your relationships and create new ones for this stage. And we show them how to do that because it might seem really obvious, but it isn't at all. So we show you lots and lots of really practical tips and help for all of this. And then the way to work out what you want to do and what we say to people is to keep a notebook before they leave. Start thinking what you really care about. People often have lost touch with who they really are. They've become quite work based very often. And you need to remember you. And what was that quote about? This one wild and wonderful life, you know, you've only got one life. Yes. And let's make the absolute most of that life. And this is a chance for you to do whatever it is that you want. For me, that's next up in this business. And I am just having the best time. I feel like everything I've ever done is proving useful now. And it's so fantastic just to do something, just to come up with an idea and do it. It's amazing. And for others, I want them to have the same, whatever that matters to them. That's what we're wanting them to do. And we're showing them through the platform and the workshops how to start doing that, the beginning steps. And it's an evolutionary process. They'll try some things, will work. Others won't. We had somebody say to us, can you help us to deal with rejection and failure? And I said to them, that's very insightful to think about what that's going to be. But I said, you know what? At this stage of life, it's only rejection and failure if you set it up to be that. Actually, if you just say, I'm going to try some things, some I'm going to love and some I won't, some will work, some won't, that's fine. And just learn from what doesn't work and don't do it again. Move on.
0: What we call things is how we perceive them so it much. Is. Victoria, it sounds all really essential work of just normalizing this phase, getting companies skilled up in how to address it and getting individuals to Not avoid the issue, but walk right into it, preferably ahead of time. One last word of advice. What would you say to a company listening? What would you say to the individual listening?
1: i say to the company, rethink age. Believe in your people. Don't think of people age 50 plus as permafrost. See them as this huge untapped resource, both before they leave you into retirement and after they've left. The more that you can help them, the more this will come back to you in spades. To the individual, there's going to be a phase when it's quite frightening and daunting for most people. doesn't matter who you are, but actually work through that. Try a bit of this, try a bit of that. Keep a notebook, remind yourself what matters to you and look forward to this being the very best time of your life. This is going to be the work-life balance you always wanted and you'll feel really fulfilled. This is a time of opportunity, no matter what you've done in your career. I'm not talking about senior people here. I'm talking about everybody. We all have a fantastic life of opportunity if we want it. And even if you need to earn money, there's still opportunity to do that now, never more so than now. If you just
0: give it a bit of a chance, give it a bit of a go. Fantastic. A wonderful last word. Victoria, you and I, I think, are pretty good examples of people having I some hope so. exciting, I'm you, Amima, exciting well. new friends of which yes. you are one. And it is lovely to not only have new ideas and new careers, but new friends at this time of life, too. So thank you for being one. Thank you for joining oh me. Joy. And congratulations on the award. I Thank think you. that well, came very one of timely. them. Yes, one of them. Thank one you. of them. That's yes. okay. You're still exciting, even if you're among <laughs> exciting. So to your 2024, talk to you soon. For more thinking about the impact of our four quarter lives, you can read my column at Forbes and subscribe to my Elderberry's newsletter on Substack. Let's design lives that aren't just longer, but better.